Hello, dear listener. Welcome to Charity Chat. I'm your host, Samuel Davies. And in this episode, you'll get to hear from Mandy Johnson, who we interviewed a few weeks ago. And Mandy's the chief executive of the Small Charities Coalition, based in London. And uh, they support all the charities around the UK that uh, raise less than £1 million a year, which is most of them. So uh, we spoke to Mandy about the challenges that small charities are facing and how some of those charities are managing to overcome those challenges. It was a very interesting chat, and I hope you'll enjoy it, and I'll speak to you at the end. Here we go. So I'm here with Mandy Johnson, CEO of Small Charities Coalition. Welcome to Charity Chat. Thank you very much. We're talking about small charities, and I suppose in terms of um, you know, what, it, what is a small charity, what kind of charities are you working with? So the Small Charities Coalition is a membership body, mm. and we will accept any constituted organisation with charitable purposes with a turnover of less than a million pounds. Wow. Okay. And the reason I use those funny words is because um, you don't have to be registered with the Charity Commission to be a member of ours. Right, okay. Because I gather there are tens of thousands of charities registered with the Charity Commission, but there are probably many, many more, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, who aren't. So um, Yeah, so we, I mean, depending on which data you use, there's about 180,000 charities who are registered with the Small Charity, uh, sorry, registered with the Charity Commission. Right. And probably around half a million small charities that aren't. Wow. Because you don't have to register if your turnover is, le- is less than £10,000. Right, okay. And um, the the percentage of small charities, mm-hmm. it's a huge percentage, isn't it? I, I think I, I read somewhere, maybe it was on your website, like 97% of the registered charities in the UK, or in England and Wales certainly, um, are raising less than a million pounds a year. Yep. So 97% of the charity sector is small by our definition. Sure, sure. Yeah. That's incredible. And in terms of the... Um, the challenge, you know, it seems that certainly I've worked with a few small charities um, and also I'm, I'm aware of a few and we've certainly had contact from a few small charities in the last few uh, months through Charity Chat and I understand there are a lot of um, concerns and difficulties with raising money, governance and things like that and you can see that in the press and the media as well where they're kind of examples of that happening. So, I mean, what, what kind of challenges are, are uh, small charities facing at the moment? I, I think at a high level, you could summarise it by saying that demand is increasing while income is decreasing. Mm. So, uh, I mean, a lot of the charities that are smaller are those that are really helping people in their local communities. Mm. And austerity means that communities are struggling, which means the demand will always increase on small charities because they're the ones that are known and trusted by their local communities. So they're the organisations that people will go to first when they need help. At the same time, um, government funding, so government grants are stopping and it used to be grants that were given to small charities. Mm. They're moving into commissioning structures, which means they're excluding small charities because commissioning doesn't work for small charities. Um, And then the other, so you mentioned earlier that 97% of the charity sector is small. Mm. 80% 80% of the income that's donated to charities goes to the top 3% of the sector. Wow. So we know that demand is increasing on the small charities whilst donations are going to the, to the others, to the big ones. It's a bit ironic, isn't it? And, and why why is that? Is that just because when, when Joe Public are thinking, who should I give a donation to? They're thinking of the, the charities they can 
they've they've seen on every bill or not on every billboard, but you know on billboards in shops and all these other things that. Yeah, I mean, if you ask people who they want to donate to, they want to donate to small charities where they know that their money is going to make a difference. Mm. But when you when you ask people when they donate, people donate when they are asked. Right. And small charities don't have the time, money, or resource to ask. They can't spend money on advertising because the the pots of advertising money aren't there. Yeah. They can't invest on, on in flashy websites that will encourage you to donate. They can't optimise their websites for mobile phones. They can't be in front of you every day. Right. So the reality is you will give when you're asked and you're going to be asked by the larger charities. We exist to support small charities and to make their lives easier. Mm. So most of the work that we do is capacity building for small charities. We provide mentoring, um, free resources, very low cost training yeah. and um, we also have a helpline so we hear from small charities every day with the challenges that they're facing. Um, we also champion small charities on a, on a policy level, on a national level. Right. So a lot of the issues that we know that small charities are facing collectively we are in Westminster trying to influence. Wow, okay. And what kind of what kind of issues are they? Are they the things that you've mentioned in terms of the added demand for their services and getting more support for them from from Westminster? Sometimes yes. Yeah. Um sometimes they're things that could seem really boring but have a big impact on small charities. So we've recently submitted um a consultation response to the Charity Commission because they want to increase the number of questions that go into the annual return that charities have to submit. Mm-hmm. And I think for larger charities that doesn't make much of a difference because they'll have paid accountants who can sit and go through their annual returns. But 80% of registered charities in this country are run completely by their trustees with no paid members of staff, nice. no additional volunteer support. And so it's it's challenging filling in an annual return anyway. Mm. And then to add more questions to that annual return means that a volunteer trustee is having to spend even more time on regulation and paperwork wow. and less time on their frontline services. So, yep. so the, the role we play is to submit something that could seem quite boring, a, a consultation about an annual return, but we do that because the impact that it has on small charities can be large. It's absolutely crucial, isn't it? And I think there, there's been a criticism or there's been articles um, out in the charity press around trustees and the roles of trustees and mm-hmm. you know, trustees needing to know what they're doing and, yeah. and certainly we've had a, a, an episode already about trustees on the podcast. but. Um, there are a lot of pressures, aren't there, in terms of you know being compliant, and obviously with, we've got yep. GDPR coming up in yep. May and fundraising regulation and all that kind of stuff. So, mm-hmm. so you're able to help. Yeah, with that kind of we thing do as well. a lot of training that's specific to governance, mm. and we also provide mentoring to trustees who want help in a governance space. And we have the helpline where we specialise in governance. So a lot of the work that we do is related to governance, yeah, um, because it is so important. Yeah. And I think it can be seen as a burden if it's not um, taught in the right way. Mm. Actually, most of governance best practice is set up to help you be the best you can be. Right. So we're trying to translate some complicated stuff into simple languages. It's simple language so that small charities can consume it easily. Mm. So people who work or volunteer for small charities aren't stupid and they absolutely understand complex information, but they don't have the time to read through mountains of paperwork. I heard you speak fairly recently and you had, uh, it was a fantastic uh, talk, and uh, you were talking about charities working together Mm -hmm. to, um, to 
I suppose deliver greater impact to the people yeah. they're trying to help. How, how kind of can you give us some examples of what you've seen? Yeah, so I've been travelling across the country trying to um, meet as many small charities as possible and identify what makes some small charities thrive mm. in an environment where a lot of small charities are struggling. And the talk that you will have heard, there's three themes that I've noticed across small charities that are really thriving. They are um, embracing digital technology, mm. using volunteers really well, and then the third element that you mentioned was all around collaboration. So the charities that are really thriving at the moment are those that don't want to merge, they want to continue being the beautiful small specialists that they are, but recognise that there are other small specialists around them that they can collaborate with in order to amplify their voice, achieve more, or to make cost savings. Sure. So the different ways that I've seen small charities collaborate across the country has been really exciting, dynamic, and um, and I think could be the future of where we go as a sector. Brilliant. And in terms of the um, the digital, I suppose, you know, making mm. sure that they've got um, the right brand and the right messages and they're, they're using the platforms that are working for them on, online as well? Yeah, so I think digital and social media are often confused and digital has become a slang term for social media. Nice. When I say digital, I'm not just talking about social media. I love social media. <laughs> I use it every single day and I think small charities can definitely benefit by being on social media because it will you know, amplify their brand and sure. get their messages out there and make sure they're communicating with both their supporters and their beneficiaries mm. as, as effectively as possible. But for me, digital is a lot bigger than that. Um, I think the era that we're living in at the moment means that we have technology that's more accessible to us to enable us to do things quicker and more efficiently than we've ever done before. Yeah. And there are lots of things that small charities have traditionally done but with humans. Um, which could now be automated. Mm. And the more that we jump into the opportunities presented by automation, the more we can free up humans to do the things that only humans can do. Nice. And you, you came up with a good example, I don't know if you want to include this in the podcast mm -hmm. or not, um, about you had found or you'd um, upcycled a teddy bear <laughs> yeah. and you'd cut it up, it sounds gruesome, but you'd, you'd cut a hole in it and you'd taken one of the... Uh, contactless readers and you mm -hmm. pop that in and then you sew it back up again good as new and then people can now when they come to the uh, small charities coalition offices they can tap their card and make a donation to you yeah it's incredible I think it's just a simple idea isn't it and I'm certainly uh, picture brain about that because I think I'm going to try and poach that idea um, mm. but things like that I suppose there are all these opportunities out there that maybe people aren't thinking about I suppose a good place to come to is small charities coalition for that kind of advice and guidance yeah, so we don't do as much as we want to do in the future yet. So I'm new to role and I'm, you know, I have lots of big ambitions that will come out over the next few years. But one of the things that I think we can do as a coalition is establish, look into the technology that could benefit multiple small charities mm. rather than individual charities having to go and find their own solutions on an individual basis. Sure. I think we as a coalition coalition can be finding those solutions and giving them to small charities mm. without them having to waste time that they don't have. And I suppose there are examples of you know, other um, stakeholders in charity looking for that in terms of there are trusts out there who are looking specifically for uh, charities to apply together collaboratively yeah. 
you know, so there are kind of those opportunities, aren't there? You talked uh, a little bit before when, when, we'd, uh, when I came and listened to you talk about the use of volunteers. Mm -hmm. And um, you talked about one thing that um, I suppose I found interesting and I hadn't really thought about it in that way was about giving, you know, typically some of the charities I've worked at and I've, I've helped in different ways, um, there's a kind of a tendency to hesitate to giving volunteers big tasks. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, volunteers are invited in to do um, stuffing on envelopes, you know, tearing off the stamps to recycle them, all those kind of fairly boring tasks, which are necessary, yeah. but a bit boring. But one of the things that you were saying was how you're, you, you're giving trust to volunteers mm -hmm. and uh, empowering them to do more. Yeah. You know, there's some good opportunities there for, for volunteers then, and maybe that'll encourage them to stick around and, and mm -hmm. you know, work for your charity. So mm -hmm. what were you doing? What kind of things have you done with volunteers? To well, so. I will put volunteers into the most senior position they will allow me to. Well, okay. Because why, you know, if someone wants to give you their time, make the most of it. Yeah. And quite often people will volunteer their time to stuff envelopes, but they'll be far more qualified and you're not getting the most out of their time. So at the moment, as we speak, we have a highly skilled volunteer who is um, rebuilding a bit of our website for us. Mm -hmm. So we're launching something new which will be coming out soon and she's building the page for that she's working on a technical technical solution that no one in our office has the skills to do but she wants to volunteer for us so yeah. we're getting her to do something that's highly skilled and we wouldn't be able to do it without her i'm also working um or i'm not i've got a volunteer in to help us create a christmas advert for the first time this year oh really yeah so it's a guy who has got decades of experience working across all of the major TV um, channels yeah. and he has coordinated a group of volunteers so we've had a floor manager from ITV, we've had people um, who are highly skilled camera men and women yeah. and they have gone out and filmed lots of different small charities from our membership to tell the story of the fact that there are lots of small charities who are doing lots of great work over Christmas yeah. and to try and encourage the public to give to the small charities rather than the ones that they'll see every day. Right, okay. But that, I mean, that's an advert that I think is needed and the Small Charities Coalition should be producing, but we mm. have no budget for it. No. And I was actually approached by someone who is, you know, I was approached by this guy who's able to do everything from start to finish in terms of creating adverts. Fantastic. So why not let him do it? And know? I'm sure he'll get a sense of achievement out of that, much more than if he was doing other things. He'll that's get a his sense of achievement. I'm, but I mean, on a selfish basis, he'll get something different from his showreel. Mm. And he'll, you know, it's not just completely altruistic. He'll get something great for his showreel. Yeah. And he will um, be able to talk about being in completely different environments than he'd ever naturally get into through his normal day job. Sure. But then he'll also get a, a feeling of satisfaction that he won't get from his day job as well. Yeah, so obviously, you know, in terms of charities, if charities are listening to this podcast mm -hmm. and they're small um, and they've got questions and they come, they can come to the Small Charities Coalition, can't they, yep. and ask those questions? Yep, so we have a website um, which isn't great and we're working on it, but we're a small charity so it's going to take us a little while because mm. we've got a lot of volunteers yeah. building it for us. We have actually invested a little bit of money. Um, we also have a helpline so people can phone us on Mondays and Thursdays. 
or they can email us at any time and we'll get back to them. Mm -hmm. And you can basically contact us about absolutely anything because if we don't have the answer, we will know someone who does and we'll find out for you. Brilliant. So Great. That's what we're here for. Fantastic. Well, uh, Mandy Johnson, thank you so much for contributing to Charity Chat. Thank you. There we go then, listeners. That was Mandy Johnson talking to me a few weeks ago about small charities and how some of them are managing to overcome the many challenges faced in today's world in uh, lots of ingenious and innovative ways. So hopefully you found that interesting. I certainly did. We'd love to hear from you, though. If you've got any questions or queries about this episode or or previous episodes or any future episodes, do get in touch. And also, if you've got any ideas about things that you'd like us to talk about as part of our charity chat, including any people you'd like us to interview, including yourselves, do get in touch because we'd love to hear from you. You can see it all on our website, charitychat.org.uk. You can get in touch with us through that website. And, uh, yeah, please do. And so, yeah, it's just left for me to thank Mandy once again for her time and also to thank our corporate sponsors, Giant Squid Audio Lab, for providing our podcast kit and sponsoring that. And also uh, Forest of Fools for playing throughout the show and uh, Magda Aximit for providing us with our beautiful website, charitychat.org.uk. And finally, RR Yard Photography for the lovely photographs that they provided on our website free of charge. And again, that's charitychat.org.uk. It's just left for me to say thank you so much for listening and uh, look forward to speaking to you soon. Cheerio. Bye.